Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you also link top for online edition, you'll see the link to read ACIMOE. Also at that website, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up, where you can sign up to receive a daily excellent email from the Course of Miracles Society that contains both the text reading for the day as well as the lesson for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 19, Beyond the Body, with Section 4, The Unreality, The Unreality of Sin. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 214, which, like all the lessons in this review, are wrapped with the idea of I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. Today we're reviewing Lesson 194, I Place the Future in the Hands of God. And by way of opening this morning, I'd like us all to um, take just a holy pause and include in our minds and hearts everyone we love or know or ever had to care about, including Robin Bray's friend, uh, Dennis, who's having surgery this morning that we all might remember we are the light that heaven loves to look upon. With that in our hearts, I offer this for opening, a poem from Helen Schuckman, Our Daily Bread. Our Daily Bread. Let me this day arise in quietness with only thoughts of sinlessness through which to look upon the world. Let me today behold the world as you would have it be, because I am as you created me. This I accept today. And as the day draws to a close, all unforgiving thoughts have disappeared and night comes quietly to bless a day in quietness begun and ending in forgiveness of God's Son. How happy am I to place the future in the hands of God. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Thanks for that. Mm-hmm. Yes. From us, peace will extend. Huh? Thanks, you guys. Uh, let's see. What do we have going on here this morning? A reading list that includes Lemoyne and Fran and Donna. And we're joined in listening this morning by Karen. And has anyone else come along that would like to say good morning and be on the reading list? Good morning, Lori. I've joined you. Um, I'll, I, hopefully I'll be able to be ready to read when it comes to be in my turn. Thank you. Okie doke. All righty. Okay. So... Let's get started then in Chapter 19, Beyond the Body, Section 4, The Unreality of Sin, in Paragraph 25. The attraction of guilt is found in sin, not error. 
sin will be repeated because of this attraction. Fear can become so acute that the sin is denied the acting out, but while the guilt remains attractive, the mind will suffer and will not let go of the idea of sin. For guilt still calls to it, and the mind hears it and yearns for it, making itself a willing captive to its sick appeal. Sin is an idea of evil that cannot be corrected and will be forever desirable. As an essential part of what the ego thinks you are, you will always want it, and only an avenger with a mind unlike your own could stamp it out through fear. Uh, Lemoyne. Chapter 19, Beyond the Body. The Unreality of Sin. The attraction of guilt is found in sin, not error. The sin will be repeated because of this attraction. Fear can become so acute that the sin is denied the acting out, but while the guilt remains attractive, the mind will suffer and not let go of the idea of sin. For guilt still calls to it, and the mind hears it and yearns for it, making itself a willing captive to its sick appeal. Sin is an idea of evil that cannot be corrected and will be forever desirable. As an essential part of what the ego thinks you are, you will always want it. And only an avenger with a mind unlike your own could stamp it out through fear. The ego does not think it possible that love, not fear, is really called upon by sin and always answers. For the ego brings sin to fear, demanding punishment. Yet punishment is but another form of guilt's protection, for what is deserving punishment must have been really done. Punishment is always the great preserver of sin, treating it with respect and honoring its enormity. What must be punished must be true. And what is true must be eternal and will be repeated endlessly. <clears throat> For what you think is real, you want and will not let it go. An error, on the other hand, is not attractive. What you see clearly is a mistake you want corrected. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 26. The ego does not think it possible that love, not fear, is really called upon by sin and always answers. For the ego brings sin to fear, demanding punishment. Yet punishment is but another form of guilt protection. For what is deserving punishment must have been really done. Punishment is always the great preserver of sin, treating it with respect and honoring its enormity. What must be punished must be true, and what is true must be eternal and will be repeated endlessly. For what you think is real, 
you want and will not let it go. An error, on the other hand, is not attractive. What you see clearly as a mistake, you won't correct it. 27. Sometimes the sin can be repeated over and over with obviously distressing results, but without the loss of its appeal. And suddenly, you change its status from a sin to a mistake. Now you will not repeat it. You will merely stop and let it go unless the guilt remains. For then, you will but change the form of sin, granting that it was an error, but keeping it uncorrectable. This is not really a change in your perception, for it is sin that calls for punishment, not error. The Holy Spirit cannot punish sin. Mistakes he recognizes and would correct them all as God entrusted him to do. But sin he knows not, nor can he recognize mistakes which cannot be corrected. For a mistake which cannot be corrected is meaningless to him. Thank you, Fran. And Donna. 27. Sometimes, sometimes a sin can be repeated over and over with obviously distressing results, but without the loss of its appeal. And suddenly you change its status from a sin to a mistake. Now you will not repeat it. You will merely stop and let it go unless the guilt remains. For then you will but change the form of sin, granting that it was error, but keeping it uncorrectable. This is not really a change in your perception. For it is sin that calls for punishment, not error. The Holy Spirit cannot punish sin. Mistakes he recognizes and would correct them all as God entrusted him to do. But sin he knows not, nor can he recognize mistakes which cannot be corrected. For a mistake which cannot be correct is meaningless to him. 28. Mistakes are for correction, and they call for nothing else. What calls for punishment must be calling for nothing. Every mistake must be a call for love. What then is sin? What could it be but a mistake you would keep hidden? A call for help that you would keep unheard and thus unanswered. In time, the Holy Spirit clearly sees the Son of God can make mistakes. On this, you share his vision. Yet you do not share his recognition of the difference between time and eternity. And when correction is completed, time is eternity. Thank you, Donna. And was it be a new reader for 2829? Eight. Oh, one unmuted line. 28 and 29? Already back to you, Lemoyne. Okay. <clears throat> 
Mistakes are poor correction, and they call for nothing else. What calls for punishment must call for nothing. Every mistake must be a call for love. What then is sin? What could it be but a mistake you would keep hidden? A call for help that you would keep unheard and thus unanswered. In time, the Holy Spirit clearly sees the Son of God can make mistakes. On this you share his vision. Yet you do not share his recognition of the difference between time and eternity. When correction is completed, time is eternity. Time is like a downward spiral which seems to travel down from a long unbroken line along another plane, but which in no way breaks the line or interferes with its smooth continuousness. Along the spiral, it seems as if the line must have been broken. Yet at the line, its wholeness is apparent. Everything seen from the spiral is misperceived, but as you approach the line, you realize that it was not affected by the drop into another plane at all. Yet from the plane, the line seems discontinuous. And this is but an error in perception which can be easily corrected in the mind, although the body's eyes will see no change. The eyes see many things that the mind corrects, and you respond not to the eye's illusion, but to the mind's correction. <clears throat> Thank you, Lemoyne and Fran. 29. Time is like a downward spiral which seems to travel down from a long, unbroken line along another plane, but which in no way breaks the line or interferes with its smooth continuousness. Along the spiral, it seems as if the line must have been broken, yet at the line... Its wholeness is apparent. Everything seen from the spiral is misperceived. But as you approach the line, you realize that it was not affected by the drop into another plane at all. Yet from the plane, the line seems discontinuous. And this is but an error in perception, which can be easily corrected in the mind, although the body's eyes will see no change. The eyes see many things the mind corrects, and you respond, not to the eyes' illusions, but to the mind's corrections. 30. You see the line is broken, and as you shift to different aspects of the spiral, the line looks different. Yet in your mind, in one who knows it is unbroken and forever changeless. This one can teach you how to look on time differently, and see beyond it, but not while you believe in sin. In error, yes, for this can be corrected by the mind. But sin is the belief that your perception is unchangeable and that the mind must accept as true what it is told through it. If it does not obey, the mind is judged insane. The only power which could change perception is thus kept infinite 
held to the body by the fear of change perception which its teacher, who was one with it, would bring. Thank you, Fran. And Donna. You see the line is broken, and as you shift to different aspects of the spiral, the line looks different. Yet in your mind is one who knows it is unbroken and forever changeless. This one can teach you how to look on time differently and see beyond it, but not while you believe in sin. In error, yes. For this can be corrected by the mind. But sin is a belief that your perception is unchangeable and that the mind must accept as true what is told through it. If it does not obey the mind, if it does not obey, the mind is judged insane. The only power which could change perception is thus impotent held to the body by the fear of changed perception which its teacher who is one with it would bring. 31. When you are tempted to believe that sin is real, remember this. If sin is real, both God and you are not. If sin is extinction, if sin If creation is extension, the creator must have expended himself, and it is impossible that what is part of him is totally unlike the rest. If sin is real, God must be at war with himself. He must be split and torn between good and evil, partly sane and partly insane. For he must have created what wills to destroy him and has the power to do so. It is not easier, is it not easier to believe that you have been mistaken than to believe this? Thank you, Donna. And would there be a new reader for 31 and 32? Lori, I'm back. I can do it. Thanks, Karen. 31. When you are tempted to believe that sin is real, remember this. If sin is real, both God and you are not. If creation is extension, the creator must have extended himself. And it is impossible that what is part of him is totally unlike the rest. If sin is real, God must be at war with himself. He must be split and torn between good and evil, partly sane and partly partially insane. For he must have created what will to destroy him and has the power to do so. Is it not easier to believe that you have been mistaken than to believe in this? 32. While you believe that your reality or your brother's is bounded by a body, you will believe in sin. While you believe that bodies can unite, you will find guilt attractive and believe that sin is precious. For the belief that bodies limit mind 
leads to a perception of the world in which the proof of separation seems to be everywhere. And God and his creation seem to be split apart and overthrown. For sin would prove what God created holy could not prevail against it, nor remain itself before the power of sin. Sin is perceived as mightier than God, before which God himself must bow and offer his creation to its conqueror. Is this humility or madness? Thank you, Karen. And another new reader for 32 and 33. Okay, Lemoyne. While you believe that your reality or your brother's is bounded by a body, you will believe in sin. While you believe that bodies can unite, you will find guilt attractive and believe that sin is precious. For the belief that bodies limit mind leads to a perception of the world in which the proof of separation seems to be everywhere. And God and his creation seem to be split apart and overthrown. For sin would prove what God created holy could not prevail against it or remain itself before the power of sin. Sin is perceived as mightier than God, before which God himself must bow and offer his creation to its conqueror. Is this humility or madness? If sin were real, it would forever be beyond the hope of healing. For there would be a power beyond God capable of making another will which could attack his, his will and overcome it and give his son a will apart from his and stronger. And each part of God's fragmented creation would have a different will opposed to his and in eternal opposition to him and to each other. Your holy relationship has as its purpose now the goal of proving this is impossible. Heaven has smiled upon it, and the belief in sin has been uprooted in its smile of love. You see it still because you do not realize that it's foundation has gone. Its source has been removed, and so it can be cherished but a little while before it vanishes. Only the habit of looking for it still remains. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran? 33. If sin were real, it would forever be beyond the hope of healing. For there would be a power beyond God's, capable of making another will which could attack his will and overcome it and give his son a will apart from his and stronger. And each part of God's fragmented creation would have a different will, opposed to his and in eternal opposition to him and to each other. Your holy relationship has as its purpose now 
the goal of proving this is impossible. Heaven has smiled upon it, and the belief in sin has been uprooted in its smile of love. You see it still because you do not realize that its foundation has gone. Its source has been removed, and so it can be cherished but a little while before it vanishes. Only the habit of looking for it still remains. 34. <clears throat> and yet you look with heaven's smile upon your lips and blessing on your sight. You will not see it long, for in the new perception the mind corrects it when it seems to be seen and it becomes invisible. And errors are quickly recognized and quickly given to correction to be healed, not hidden. You will be healed of sin and all its ravages the instant that you give it no power over each other. And you will help each other overcome mistakes by joyously releasing one another from the belief in sin. Thank you, Fran. And Donna. Thirty-four. <clears throat> and yet, and yet, you look with heaven's smile upon your lips and heaven's blessing on your sight. You will not see it long, for in the new perception, the mind corrects it when it seems to be seen, and it becomes invisible. And errors are quickly recognized and quickly given to correction to be held, to be healed, not hidden. You will be healed of sin and all its ravages the instant that you give it no power over each other. And you will help each other overcome mistakes by joyously releasing one another from the belief in sin. 35. In the holy instant, you will see the smile of heaven shining on both of you, and you will shine upon each other in glad acknowledgement of the grace that has been given you. For sin will not prevail against a union heaven has smiled upon. Your perception was healed in the holy instant heaven gave you. Forget what you have seen and raise your eyes in faith to what you now can see. The barriers of heaven will disappear before your holy sight. For you who were sightless have been given vision and you can see. Look now for what has been removed. Look not for what has been removed, but for the glory that has been restored for you to see. Thank you, Donna. Uh, Karen? 30. In the holy instant, you will see the smile of heaven shining on both of you. And you will shine upon each other in glad acknowledgement of the grace that has been given you. For sin will not prevail against a union heaven has smiled upon. Your perception was healed in the holy instant heaven gave you. Forget what you have seen and raise your eyes in faith 
to what you now can see. The barriers to heaven will disappear before your holy sight. For you who were sightless have been given vision, and you can see. Look not for what has been removed, but for the glory that has been restored for you to see. 36. Look upon your Redeemer, and behold what he would show you in each other, and let not sin rise again to blind your eyes. For sin would keep you separate, but your Redeemer would have you look upon each other as yourself. Your relationship is now a temple of healing, a place where all the weary ones can come and find rest. Here is the rest that waits for all after the journey, and it is brought nearer to all by your relationship. Thank you, Karen. And would there be a new reader for 36 and 37? Oops. I think, Judy, you said you could read after that, huh? Oh, I'm so not ready. Thank you. I'm loving this. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, so a new reader for 36 and 37. Mindy? Yes. Go ahead. Thank you. Just scrolling to it. 36 and 37. Thanks for your patience. 36. Look upon your Redeemer and behold what he would show you in each other. And let not sin arise again to blind your eyes. For sin would keep you separate. But your Redeemer would have you look upon each other as yourself. Your relationship is now a temple of healing, a place where all the weary ones can come and find rest. Here is, excuse me, here. here is the rest that waits for all after the journey, and it is brought nearer to all by your relationship. 37. As this peace extends from deep inside yourselves, to embrace all the sonship and give it rest, it will encounter many obstacles. Some of them you will try to impose. Others will seem to arise from elsewhere, from your brothers and from various aspects of the world outside. Yet peace will gently cover them, extending past completely unhindered. The extension of the Holy Spirit's purpose from your relationship to others to bring them gently in has already began. Um, Let me just say that again, please. Yet peace will gently cover them, extending past completely unhindered. The extension of the Holy Spirit's purpose from your relationship to others to bring them gently in has already begun. This is the way in which he will bring means and goals in line. The peace he laid deep within both of you will quietly extend to every aspect of your lives, surrounding both of you with glowing happiness and the calm awareness of complete protection. 
and you will carry its message of love and safety and freedom to everyone who draws nigh unto your temple where healing waits for him. <sighs> Thank you, Mindy. And we have another new reader for 37 and 38. Okay, one more. As this peace extends from deep inside yourselves to embrace all the sunship and give it rest, it will encounter many obstacles. Some of them you will try to impose. Others will seem to arise from elsewhere, from your brothers and from various aspects of the world outside. Yet peace will gently cover them, extending past completely unhindered. The extension of the Holy Spirit's purpose from your relationship to others to bring them gently in has already begun. This is the way in which he will bring means and goal in line. The peace he laid deep within both of you will quietly extend to every aspect of your lives, surrounding both of you with glowing happiness and the calm awareness of complete protection. And you will carry its message of love and safety and freedom to everyone who draws nigh unto your temple where healing waits for him. You will not wait to give him this, for you will call to him and he will answer you, recognizing in your call the call of God. And you will draw him in and give him rest, as it was given you. All this you will do. Yet the peace which already lies deeply within must first expand and flow across the obstacles you place before it. This you will do, for nothing undertaken with the Holy Spirit remains unfinished. You can indeed be sure of nothing you see outside you, but of this you can be sure. The Holy Spirit asks that you offer him a resting place where you will rest in him. He has entered you and entered your relationship. Would you not now return his graciousness and enter into a relationship with him? For it is he who offered your relationship the gift of holiness, without which it would have been forever impossible to appreciate each other. Thank you, LeMoyne. And Fran. 38. You will not wait to give him this, for you will call to him and he will answer you, recognizing in your call the call of God. And you will draw him in and give him rest as it was given you. All this will you do. 
Yet the peace which already lies deeply within must first expand and flow across the obstacles you place before it. This will you do. For nothing undertaken with the Holy Spirit remains unfinished. You can indeed be sure of nothing you see outside you. But of this you can be sure. The Holy Spirit asks that you offer him a resting place where you will rest in him. He answered you and entered your relationship. Would you not now return his graciousness and enter into a relationship with him? For it is he who offered your relationship the gift of holiness, without which it would have been forever impossible to appreciate each other. 39. The gratitude you owe to him, he asks, but that you receive for him. And when you look with gentle graciousness upon each other, you are beholding him, for you are looking where he is and not apart from him. You cannot see the Holy Spirit, but you can see your brothers truly, and the light in them will show you all that you need to see. When the peace in you has been extended to encompass everyone, the Holy Spirit's function here will be accomplished. What need is there for seeing then? When God has taken the last step himself, the Holy Spirit will gather all your thanks and gratitude which you have offered him and lay them gently before his Creator in the name of his most holy Son. And the Father will accept them in his name. What need is there of seeing in the presence of his gratitude? Thank you, Fran. And Donna. Thirty-nine. The gratitude you owe to him, he asks, but that you receive for him. And when you look with gentle graciousness upon each other, you are beholding him. For you are looking where he is and not apart from him. You cannot see the Holy Spirit, but you can see your brothers truly. And the light in them will show you that you show you all that you need to see. When the peace in you has been extended to encompass everyone, the Holy Spirit's function here will be accomplished. What need is there for seeing then? When God has taken the last step himself, the Holy Spirit will gather all your thanks and gratitude which, he, which you have offered him and lay them gently before his creator in the name of his most holy son. And the Father will accept them in his name. What need is there of seeing in the presence of his gratitude? Thank you, Donna, and thank you everyone who read this morning about this beautiful change in perception when the belief in sin is released. And so, um, 
We'll turn to you, Fran, since we're at the top of the hour, for our reflection on our lesson this morning, just to put a punctuation point on it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Hi. Hi, everybody. We are still in the first part of the workbook and we're on review six. And today, lesson 214 is the review of lesson 194. I place the future in the hands of God. So I shall read just a paragraph from the introduction and then we will go over to the lesson and do our five-minute practice. There is but one exception to this lack of structuring. Permit no idle thought to go unchallenged. If you notice one, deny its hold and hasten to assure your mind that this is not what it would have. Then gently let the thought which you denied be given up in sure and quick exchange for the idea we practice for the day. When you are tempted, hasten to proclaim your freedom from temptation. You say, this thought I do not want. I choose instead and then repeat the idea for the day and let it take the place of what you thought. Beyond such special applications of each day's idea, we will add the few formal expressions for specific thoughts to aid your practicing. Instead, we give these times of quiet to the teacher who instructs in quiet, speaks of peace, and gives our thoughts whatever meaning they may have. Now we'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 214, I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. I place the future in the hands of God. The past is gone, the future is not yet. Now am I freed from both, for what God gives can only be for good, and I accept that what he gives is what belongs to me. I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. Now we'll take our five minutes.
Lesson 214, I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. I place the future in the hands of God. The past is gone, the future is not yet. Now am I free from both, for what God gives can only be for good, and I accept that what he gives is what belongs to me. I am not a body, I am free. For I'm still as God created me. Amen. Amen. Lord, I felt that, friend. Thank you. Thank you, friend. Thank you, guys. Excellent. Thank you, Fran. Thank you. don't know who that was, but it broke up so bad I couldn't understand. That's why I didn't know who it was. Was that Ida? Oh, that's Ida. Can you hear me now? Okay. Oh, that's a little better, uh-huh. I think I'll call Thanks back more. in. Thanks. Okay. okay Ida. Uh, I put future in the hands okay. of God. Okay. Okay. Is it okay now? Um, just a little bit okay. disturbed, but not bad. Okay. This is Mindy. I was wondering if, Fran, if you had anything you wanted to share, any thoughts on this lesson? Just a minute. There was something that I I love when he tells us that God gives only what God gives can only be for good. And I accept for what he gives is what belongs to me. Wow. That is great. Thank you, God. That's what I like. Thank you, Mindy. I'm complete. Thank you, Fran. Thank you. <laughs> yes, those are the exact two sentences that my heart wanted to hear again. Beautiful. Thank you. Perfect, then. <laughs> Hi, good morning, guys. Um, thank you so much, Fran. I don't, I don't know why. I, I always do the lessons first thing in the morning, but I always seem to get so much more out of hearing it from your voice. And um, 
it's like right out of the mouth of 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 the holy of God or the Holy Spirit's voice itself. <laughs> I'm just so filled with this sense of 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 expansiveness, you know, that I am not a body, I am free. I am still as God created me that you know, I'm purely mind and I'm purely spirit and I know everything that he created is a gift to me. Everything in creation, the totality of every expression is an expression of love, of God for me. And so I would never forget him. There's no place I can go where God is not that I can ever forget him. And the love, that that all-encompassing love, and, you know, it goes along with the text today, this, this being free from time and space, um, you know, that it's always already here and now, true, forever, ever-present, eternally. Um, I just love that. It's all, like, right here, right now. I needn't ask for anything. I don't need anything. I ha- There's nothing I could want because I already am everything. Being the I am one son of God. That I trust this. I trust this. I trust this. And if I stay honest and true to how God created me to be, I have no worries or concerns. I'm like a lily in the field. That story, that 2,000-year-old story, I'm a lily in the field. And I, I used to think about that, that, you know, like ponder it when I was a little girl. And I think, too, about pondering the idea that God's counted every hair on my head. And the intimacy of God knowing everything so intimately um, has really, I have been able to experience that through practicing these lessons and the holy the um you know it speaks of this no being able to knowingly be aware of this Christ that I am one with my father I am one with my source I am one with all of creation in the holy relationship with with my father as his son his one son the totality of our reality is experiencing all of it without any limitations that I would put on it, that I would not say I'm limited to this body. I can experience everything I see, hear, smell, taste, touch, or feel. My my perceptions expand into the universe. I mean, it's it's just so expansive. <laughs> I'm filled with fullness today, and that's enough out of me. I'm so glad we're all here together. Thank you for reading for me today, and I'm sorry I couldn't, I wasn't ready. (laughs) I'm complete. Thank you, Judy.
And this is Ida. And um, another lesson gives the reason why we can place the future in the hands of God if we felt uncertain about that, which is that a happy outcome to all things is sure. And there's another lesson too, famous lesson, I don't know if it's 256 or what it is, but that talks about what could you do if you but knew that all things um, were arranged by the divine for your good. Thanks, Uncle Lee. Thank you, Ida. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. This is Fran. I wish this wasn't so long and we could read it again. I found this, like, difficult, this section, especially when he talks about this downward spiral and everything and the line. <laughs> it's, uh... I don't know, just a little difficult for me. Hmm. Yeah, the part where he talks about cutting out of time. Is that the part where he talks about getting out of time? Um, getting out of time, did you say? Yes. Yeah. Um, he, he's talking At about time is like yeah. a spiral. Yeah. It's, um, oh, this is Lori, and uh, I rather enjoyed this section this morning for that reason. Uh, it came into a little bit sharper focus for me than it has in years gone by. Uh, I won't say I understand it completely, but um, this year, uh, I think we have one unmuted line, if you please. Um, I'm just going to maybe tap that line. Sorry. Oops, wrong line. <laughs> okay, thanks. Um, this year, I drew it on my page. And uh, as I drew it, I realized a couple of things. This straight line uh, to, to me uh, this year uh, seems to represent the caliber or quality of the mind's awareness of truth. And experientially, I draw these spirals and planes like loops around the line. And I can put myself in the position at the beginning, at the top of my line, as maybe an adolescent asking, who am I and what am I here for? And what's all this about? And realize that not knowing the answers to those questions is out in a perceptual loop trying to understand things on my own. And as I gained understanding earlier in my young adulthood, uh, my experience changed. My caliber of experience of life changed in many ways. Um, I had different goals about what life was for and sought to pursue those. And so I perceived things in reference to my goal. Uh, and my goals changed and I continued to perceive things in relation to my changed goal 
dropping down the line of time um, in a circle around this straight line that I could call the mind's awareness of its unity with God eternally. Eventually, I come to understand um, through therapy and a lot of different things that I'm here for a different purpose that is entirely different than what I thought it was when I was a young adult. And as I embrace a different purpose closer to truth, my mind comes closer to the truth of itself and what I am. And in the holy instant, uh, that's the blessed sense of realization that communion with holiness has never ever been interrupted and that it's eternal and that the mind uh, is free of the belief in sin and its consequent experience of guilt and fear and as a consequence of that I start to see things differently wanting to keep only the awareness of truth in my mind and the peace that the holy instant brought to my awareness so in many ways this line dropping through time and perceptions represents the restoration of my mind to the truth of eternal unity with God my errors are corrected I see things differently and as I come to see things differently I realize that I can see with the eyes of Christ that every mind is part of me and every mind is part of God and every mind is part of each other in that sense then one can say that we forget the past and we remember what was always true and as a consequence of that the way we see changes in chapter 21 he starts right out with everything seen with vision is healed and holy and nothing seen without it means anything so when my mind arrives at the truth of me the caliber of my awareness and the awareness of love's presence is restored to me and because of that all I can see is healed and holy um, in many ways in my experience that is still aspirational but when I forget when I forget I can always go back to the holy instant and remember the unity I felt in that moment and the essence of its eternal truth of me and of creation so when I said it when I said it in the context of yesterday's lesson all things are lessons God would have me learn everything that happens in my life every situation that uh, I seem to be in every relationship I seem to have is showing me the way back to truth back to this line from perceptual distortions the perceptual distortions are those things that make me seem like I'm distant from God and distant from myself and distant from my from my brother 
that's all a pretty good working definition of what he calls sin this distance this distance that seems to be time that separates me time and bodies that seem to separate me from God creation and my brother all of that is a perceptual distortion and so as my perceptions are corrected all things are lessons God would have me learn as my perceptions are corrected through forgiveness my mind returns to that line it's changeless awareness of unity with God it was um, it was really fun this morning to um, you know I used to say um, uh, you know when I first came on this call I used to say I feel like I've had about eight lives in this life <laughs> you know as my perceptions were corrected step by step by step by loving step um, it seems like I was having a different experience of life as I dropped through time but the truth of me never changed from the very beginning I'm not a body I am free I am still as God created me so this drop through time these planes of existence are planes of learning you might say both learning and forgetting learning and forgetting remembering and forgetting remembering and forgetting and the more I forget I forgive the past and not let it color my perceptions now the more I forget the more I remember and I come back to the eternal changeless truth of myself and all creation on this line so what is time then but that thing uh, that God gives me gives the Holy Spirit to use on my behalf so that I can both forget and remember and as I forget and remember I learn that uh, I am really free an eternal soul in the likeness of my Creator participating in my father's dream of creation just like he says in paragraph 38 peace that's deep in your relationship must extend and expand and become a home and all this you will do he says all this you will do why because the Holy Spirit is the means I accept the purpose the purpose being this line I accept the Holy Spirit's purpose of truth the universal purpose of truth the union of creation in the mind of God when I accept that purpose the means are provided he says all this you will do all this you will do because the Holy Spirit provides the means and so as I learn to look upon this one I've come to see as Holy Spirit it generalizes and I come to see everyone as Holy Spirit I love how Wendy says that <laughs> she says 
uh, Hassel, Holy Spirit appearing as Lori, or Holy Spirit appearing as Fran, or Holy Spirit appearing as Lemoyne. Um, all this you will do um, for the sake of this peace that must extend and expand because I've accepted the universal purpose. Accept the purpose and the means are provided. That I can have faith in. And I was thinking about it this morning, these eight or nine lives I seem to have had. And, um, and what I came to realize was every single time my perception returns to the line through the light of forgiveness, I feel better. I feel more whole. I'm having a happy experience, a happy dream. And I learned that it hurts me to um, do or think, do or think anything that uh, disturbs my peace at the line. And so tomorrow, one moment, please. Tomorrow, we launch into the obstacles to peace. Um, and the reason we're able to do that at this point is because we've all had enough uh, perceptual correction uh, by light of uh, the Holy Spirit through the third eye, you know, our spiritual awareness. We've all experienced enough uh, correction of our perceptual errors that we realize how much more we want peace than anything, how much more we want to stay aligned with universal purpose than anything. And because this is what we want, we're learning to align our will with the will of our Father because it is such a more happy experience when we do. And it's an unhappy experience to perceive away from the line. I take my awareness of peace and love and unity and throw it away. Those are the obstacles to peace. And we're ready for that because we know how much better it feels at the line when my mind's aligned with the truth of unity. So that's how I read that this morning um, when I drew my little line with circles. And... Uh, and the outcome, of course, is unity with the eternal mind. The other thing, I'm just going to touch on it really quickly. The other thing that came to mind is, um, do you remember those first lessons, those first 28 lessons? I see only the past. What I see is a consequence of attack thoughts. I've given everything I see, all the meaning that it has for me. My mind sees only images I have made. I'm upset. Uh, because I see a meaningless world. All of those first 29 lessons are these perceptual distortions that he talks about as we're dropping through time onto various planes, different planes of experience. And as I give up attack thoughts, as I stop seeing only the past, as I realize that there is a meaning for me to see and ask for truth, um, when I realize I'm upset because I see something that isn't there, when I'm upset because I do not understand what I see, 
All of these perceptual distortions are corrected as I do these lessons. And then I come to lesson 29. God is in everything I see. And lesson 30, God is in everything I see because God is in my mind. Followed by, I could see peace instead of this because we're giving up these distortions, these perceptual distortions in time. We're returning the mind more and more to the truth of eternal unity with the Father. And uh, and we've been prepared for this. And uh, I guess that's what I wanted to say this morning. I'm complete. Well, that was great. Thank you so much, Lori. Thanks for that. Yes, it was. Well, you, you gave you a real good... Book. Great clarity. Of, uh, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Lori. This is Sandra, and um, I went to that paragraph 29 on uh, time is like a downward spiral, which seems to travel down from a long, unbroken line along another plane, but which is which in no way breaks the line or interferes with its smooth continuousness. And it's like, I think what they're trying to say there, what our brother is trying to say, is that the the road or the path to uh, the atonement or to enlightenment is 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 not a straight line. <laughs> I mean, I wish it was. I wish I could say I want it all and I want it now and snap my finger and it'll be there. But it's it seems to be a spiral. It goes around and around, and, it, and the reason that it's like that is because it, it's, it has to be all-inclusive. I mean, the lesson here is that, that God is in everything I see, and so when it doesn't look good to me, you know, because I've judged it, I'm not seeing the God. I'm not seeing the good, and I'm breaking that that line the spiral the line doesn't break because it the line is um is the part that's consistent it's it's me who breaks it through my judgment um and everything seen from the spiral is misperceived because if i'm looking at the world from the outside circumstances that's the spiral it's miss it's a, I, i'm going to misperceive it i have to look at the world through the truth of God, through the truths that are being that I'm being taught here, which is everything is connected. There's nothing that's separated. Nothing. Everything is connected. We're all connected. But we're not only connected to each other as beings, human beings, we're also connected to the earth, to the to the moon, to the stars, to the sun. It, it, it all affects us because it's it's all connected so it, and when we hurt or exploit um, any aspect of it we hurt it all because it's all connected and um, you know if this is about spirit this is not about form and and um, and it's about my spirit being able to encompass everything with the full knowledge that my highest and best is being served at all times. 
that's the only way I can encompass everything. If I think that there's a right and a wrong and that I'm right and you're wrong or there's a good and an evil, anytime I see anything dualistic, I, I have to see things without opposites. I have to see God in everything. And and that goes along with the lesson um, that I place the future in the hands of God. Because I don't understand, to me, I see disconnects. I don't understand what's going on here. So when I turn it over to my Holy Spirit, I don't have to understand it. It's just about me letting go of my concerns for the past and my concerns for the future, being in the present moment in gratitude and placing the future in the hands of God so I don't have to worry about it. I'm complete. Good point. Thank you. Oh, just great. wonderful, Sandra. Yes, it was wonderful, Sandra. Thank you. I like your explanation of that spiral. I really do. This is Steve, and I thank, thank you, you all for for traveling on the road, this broad road to peace. Uh, I'm always reminded to um, that there's two distinct ways of thinking. One is, and two ways of perceiving, or maybe one, one way is perception and the other one is knowing. One is external outside of me and regarding what happens outside of me and from what I experience and sense with others also is that sometimes the weather is stormy and sometimes it's not and it's beautiful. Everybody seems to have challenges in the in their lives. Things don't work out in the outside world in a comfortable way all the time. So the world of the, that way of percept, the world of perception in the world has its ups and its downs. And then there's the world within, which has no ups and downs that is consistent that is trustworthy and is my comforter. So when I'm experiencing a challenge in the outside world, I'm, I'm always reminded by the outside world and challenge to remember who I am and what is inside of me that has always been inside of me. And that is the source of my fulfillment and, and, and happiness. And when I remain cognizant of the inner way of thinking, when the outside world turns to a storm, I'm able to weather it better. But it, it doesn't fix the outside, 
but it gives me perspective. The outside, and then there's the inside. And although I've been trained to be very vigilant about making the outside world correspond the way I want it, that's not the way it is. And I'm thankful for the ability to find and and feel the consistent inner presence. And that's been given to me for many years. And now it's wonderful to be around people who understand what I'm talking about, about that inner connection. And I'm complete. Boy, isn't that the truth? Me too, Steve. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Yes, thank you, Steve. I'm still reeling with what you said, Lori, and um, the idea of having many lives and having changed throughout my life, being a little child, being a a preteen, a teenager, a young adult, a woman, a young woman, and and then a woman, and, you know, how we we die to... um, old parts of ourselves every day and are born again anew every day into a new new some new kind of self-concept a concept of self that you spoke of that you know we think we're we're in a body and we we make these goals things we want to achieve things we want to do all the planning that um you know entails looking forward into the future um which when you know we go around and around and um grow and expand in our awareness of the world and of possibilities of who and what we are what we can be and how um being and then we learn like you talked about Lori learning to to um unlearn that we are not our roles, that we're not our age, that we're not our gender, that we're not the things that we think we are. We aren't limited, that we are them, but we aren't limited by them um, or to them, that we, we can be, you know, a part of and know everything is, is, a, is growing into that vertical line of thinking that line just being vertical and that, um, you know, ex- expression of the horizontal um, and the cross with the, the vertical line and just thinking vertically, just thinking, you know, I'm above perception. I can look down at perception and, and know that it, it's deceiving. It can be deceiving because the body, body's eyes and how it relates to the brain, the brain will fill in the gaps. You know, it's like the stuff that we don't see or the stuff that's not there that the brain thinks should be there, it fills in. And I mean, you can Google, you know, optical illusions today and and really truly understand how perceptions and the brain's interpretation of them can be totally deceiving. How we see things that aren't there it's really an obvious, scientifically proven fact that perception is deception. And then growing out and up 
out of perception and, and going, like Steve said, into merely knowing through our sense of, of um, our heart and um, intuition and trust in and, and the beauty, the beauty of it, you know, that the wholeness, the beauty and the wholeness of it that isn't defined by the the object of what I'm seeing, it's just the sense of beauty in its totality, the um, peace in its totality, and the happiness in its totality expressing itself as one creative creation of God in its whole and entire, in its entirety, in its totality. And it, that's when it really, you know, opens my heart and my mind to, to knowing who I am in truth. And that's straight up to heaven. And I just love the idea of, you know, the little, you know, what what have I done to, to take myself out of heaven? And it's like just being that little itty-bitty me, you know, and seeing through the little itty-bitty eyes of, of the body and um, limiting what was um, mine, I, me, and mine, to the I experience, you know, the spiritual eyes experiences, seeing everything as itself, love seeing everything as itself. But I didn't see it that way. I learned a new way to see, and I'm no longer blind. That's enough out of me. <laughs> it's beautiful today. Beautiful reading, text, and lesson. Thank you, guys. Thank you, God. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you. you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. You know, this line, I want to say just a little bit more about it. Do you recall how um, we used to say, and I just love the quote, when my awareness lands on the truth of me, when my awareness lands on the truth of me, it establishes the power of my peace over any, any circumstance. That's, um, that's the line, the truth of me. When my awareness lands on the truth of me, it establishes the power of my peace over any circumstance. The reason for that is in today's reading, these perceptual variations uh, across time are a consequence of the belief in sin, the belief in separation, the belief that there's anything that the ego can deny doubt or resist, anything that ego that can deny doubt or resist that separates me from the truth of me, this tiny fragment of my mind that believes it has that power to deny, resist, and doubt truth, doubt the truth of love, that tiny fragment that believes all of that sin is what's responsible for these perceptual variations and seeming, seemingly different planes of the experience of life. When I no longer have the belief in that, the belief in what the ego is telling me, when I no longer listen to that voice, my perceptual variations straighten out. Why? Because guilt 
is a consequence of the belief in that. The ego, ego is firmly affixed in its belief in sin and its consequent belief in guilt and guilt demands punishment which leads to fear. So it's the belief in sin and guilt for the past and fear of the future that holds all of that together and is responsible for these loops around the truth dropping into different planes of experience. As this belief in separation is loosened from my mind through forgiveness, forgiveness of these perceptual distortions that the ego wants me to have because of its firm, fixed, false belief in sin, these perceptual distortions disappear. And the hold that the past has on my mind, I see now what I saw in the past and all the shadow figures and all that business, remember? Um, as that belief is loosened from my mind through forgiveness, my perceptual distortions more align with the truth of me. This line, this line of immortal assurance of my Father's love that remember yesterday we read the Son of God can distort himself, he can um, stop him, himself from believing anything, he can even go backwards in his belief about himself, but he cannot sin, remember that? Sin is impossible. As that belief in sin, separation from God through the ego's distortions is loosened, my perceptual experience that seems to drop me through planes of experience is resolved. So what's most important, what's critical, that's why the atonement is the correction for all of that. The atonement is simply that nothing has ever interfered with the holiness of God's Son or God's creation. His innocence is still the truth. He is as he was created. Nothing, nothing can interfere with that. And I, as I return this little tiny fragment of my mind to the truth, perceptual distortions disappear. So it's the idea, it's the idea of sin. Not, it's not a fact. Neither is the ego a fact. Both of them are illusions that rise out of the belief in sin, its consequent guilt for having separated from love, and the fear associated with that separation. All of that is what binds the ego to time. Guilt for the past and fear for the future both grow out of the belief that the mind can be separated from God with a separate will to have special love and to define its own terms for peace. Isn't that something? So when the idea of sin disappears in the atonement, the mind instantly is returned to truth in the, in the, the truth of the atonement. No longer does the past have any sway 
because the belief in sin is broken. And without sin, there can be no fear of future. That's what makes today's lesson so beautiful. I place the future in the hands of God. And as I learn to release my perceptual distortions through forgiveness, truth is restored to me. And I no longer need to feel bound to time, except that it is the nature of the ever-present love of now. All of that's possible when the idea of sin is broken. Uh, so to me, that's the essence of of the unreality of sin. Today's section, I'm complete. Oh, oh thank you. Thanks so much. Thank for you, Lori. I have a request um, for prayer. I've been going through. This is Ida. I've been going through a storm. She mentioned a storm. I've been going through a storm in my physical and emotional health since last month. And um, just for instance, physically, I can't even give myself a shower anymore safely, and I have no one to help me. They're working on getting somebody to help me, but there's no one yet. So anyway, prayers are very powerful, and the Course says, talk about prayers like that. So anyway, I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm complete. You bet, Ida. We're just going to hold you in the perfect light of your, your truth and know that everything that comes from God is good and, and that you're protected by his love. We'll just hold you like that for a minute. Ida, we trust that every need of your heart is going to be provided for. Yes, you're held eternally in the arms of God. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Still time for a few more thoughts from anyone? This is Lemoyne. Lemoyne, then Donna. Okay, I didn't hear you, Donna. Yeah, I want to talk about this picture of a line. Um, Hit the high point. Okay, first off, 
this is a course for the mind. And, you know, the sin, the idea of is sin is an idea that the things can, that some errors are uncorrectable, right? Or that we can hide them and hold on to them forever. It's the creation of a false eternity. And I think this is why he uses spiral for the the past that is, goes away from the unbroken line of creation. That the that the you know it's drawn to an attractor, being this what we believe is eternal, and that you know really for some for the confused it's it may be more like a drunkard's walk, some kind of random path. But there is always this tendency to be drawn towards what we believe is eternal because our proper place is on the line and we feel the call to eternity. Um, so, but, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a metaphor, you know. I think that uh, the, uh, if you think of form as an ex- the form being created as a way to expand the consciousness of God, then, you know, the planes are actually, they intersect at the line. But because we have a skewed view of form being the, uh, not primarily effect, but primary cause, we live on that plane of the plane of, of the of form. And, you know, I don't think either of these are planes. I think they're more actually more like spaces um, or realms. But, and, and I, but he's got to pick something to draw the picture and, and make it relate to the section, which is about the unreality of sin. And, and, you know, I think that it's not like, you know, there's a certain amount of undoing we have to do to get ourselves out of where we put ourselves, but it's not like we have to walk the path backwards that um, I believe we're actually completely free to just step onto the line. Um, but <clears throat> we, our perception of what's real and important will always be there to interfere if it's not aligned with the view that that is uh, compatible with the Holy Spirit and God, you know, so that then, you know, errors can occur and we can just, we kind of orbit the line, maybe. The spiral goes right along the line, ever approaching it ever closer. And which is kind of maybe the, or widening it to expand the consciousness of God, if you will, but that um, it's all tightly associated with the line and not this, not what we think is true on the other plane. Anyway, I just wanted to put that out there. I'm complete. Thanks, Lemoyne. Thanks, Lemoyne. Yeah, I had some a thought similar to that this morning, right? I asked Holy Spirit the question. 
am I moving through time or is time moving through me? <laughs> it's kind of an interesting take, what you just said. Thank you for that. Donna, you had something, I thought? I did. And uh, I do. Let me see. Oh. <laughs> Trying to figure out my phone. <clears throat> Paragraphs. Well, the last thing the Holy Spirit just drew me to, so I'm going to mention it. Gratitude. The last word of our reading was gratitude with a question mark. And I thought, gee, why is that ending like that? And that occurs to me just now as I'm speaking, are we always grateful? And in paragraph 35, Jesus, uh, in that one paragraph, Jesus quoted four scriptures. And they gave uh, God, God the glory. These scriptures, two of them, glorify God directly. And the the sentence is, the first one is where the word grace is used. And you will shine upon each other in glad acknowledgement of grace that has been given you. And in Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians, chapter twelve, verse nine, is where Saint Paul had begged God to heal his, the thorn in his side three times, and God said to him, <laughs> "My grace is sufficient for you." Let me see if God really said that. Uh, well, anyway, <laughs> I'm kind of excited here. But anyway, so God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And um, and then in uh, another sentence in that paragraph, it's, uh, it says, Forget what you have seen and raise your eyes in faith to what you now can see. And that is directly faith is a gift from God. And that's in another scripture. That's in Romans 12:3, where Paul says, look, don't marvel at me at the faith I seem to be walking in because God has given to every man a measure of faith. So uh, Jesus quoted these scriptures in this paragraph 35 to give honor and glory to God. Bottom line, start to finish. Then I see through, and by the way, when when Fran spoke up about this, when I first started reading, I said, oh, my God, what a mouthful this is. And it is. So then, from then on, I began to realize, who else is Jesus honoring with Scripture in this reading? Who is he honoring? He is honoring the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, with us, and walks with us and talks with us and guides us and leads us and guards us 
and we barely notice him most of the time. And there there are two scriptures that describe the Holy Spirit. First of all, Jesus said, I'm going to send you a comforter. And that comforter is the spirit of truth. And then he also says, and I will send to you the Holy Spirit who will teach you all things. And those are from two scriptures as well, John 14, 17, and John 15, 26. And it's just so incredible. And I'm going to read 26. But when the Comforter is come, who I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. So Jesus let us know just what this life, this light, I love that you used the word light because I wrote by it life. The light and life we live, move, and have our being in is the Holy Spirit. And 14.17, John 14.17, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. I hope I turn my off. I did not. So, Andy. And uh, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. That's John fourteen seventeen. I am so grateful for this class. I am complete. Oh, that was beautiful, Donna. Thank you for bringing that. Thank you, Donna. Well, this has been a great reading this morning. I sure have enjoyed it enjoyed sharing it with you all and you all sharing it with me as we place the future in the hands of God today um, I think I'm going to go with this from chapter 21 because I was so in love with everything Steve said about the inner picture which is chapter 21 the inner picture Projection makes perception. The world you see is what you gave it. Nothing more than that. But though it is no more than that, it is not less. Therefore, to you it is important. It is the witness to your state of mind. The outside picture of an inward condition. As a man thinketh, so does he perceive. Therefore, seek not to change the world but to change your mind about the world. Perception is a result and not a cause. That's why order of difficulty in miracles is meaningless. Remember, a miracle is a perceptual correction. Everything looked upon with vision is healed and holy. Nothing perceived without it means anything. And where there is no meaning, there is chaos. Damnation is your judgment on yourself, and this you will project upon the world. 
see it as damned and all you see is what you did to hurt the Son of God. If you behold disaster and catastrophe, you tried to crucify him. If you see, and who is this Son of God? Well, it's me. If you see holiness and hope, you join the will of God to set him free. There is no choice that lies between these two decisions. And you will see the witnesses to the choice you made. And learn from this to recognize which one you chose. The world you see but shows you how much joy you have allowed yourself to see in you and accept as yours. And if this is its meaning, then the power to give it joy must be within you. The world you see is what you gave it. That's why aligning my mind with this eternal line of truth is so important. Uh, forgiveness will take me there. So thank you, everyone. It's been a great call. And uh, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of light in it. Uh, very grateful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.